We're not going to focus so much here simply on what did you do and how fantastic it was, but we would really like to invite you to share all the horrible mistakes that you made and all the difficulties that you faced and, um, <laughs> and, and all the glories that Phil Campbell did to avoid those follies. Um, we, we want to hear you share about your own struggles and the struggles of the staff who came in under you to plant. Um, as, as with Don Carson, uh, we want you to, to feel very free to invite the, the stopping recording stuff so that you can speak frankly if you think that would serve this particular group, and that will just stay within this particular group or if you want to speak. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I think these guys can just handle it, can't they? They'll just speak openly and frankly. So, uh, can we just begin perhaps by introducing just briefly a little bit about each of your, your ministries, um, where you are, and a little of, of what has taken place over the years? Let's begin with Phil. Okay, okay thanks. Uh, I'm Phil Campbell. I'm from Brisbane. Uh, Mitchell's and Presbyterian Church on the north side of Brisbane and we've been involved in helping to uh, renew a number of old churches and we've planted two brand new ones in the last five or six years. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Hall, I've been uh, uh, involved in uh, Anglican ministry in Sydney for the last uh, at one place for 27 years and uh, been involved in renewing and planning new churches as well, uh, 15 altogether. Uh, Paul Harrington, I come from Adelaide, uh, Evangelical Anglican Church in a non-evangelical diocese. Uh, we were the first church in the city, so we've got all that sort of heritage and baggage that goes with that. And we planted uh, four new churches over the last nine years. What would be the advice that you would give to, to those of us who have come here who are very excited about the power of the gospel and very encouraged about stories of great triumph in ministry um, and who come to you and go, I can't wait to church plan, it'll be great, vision, mission, strategy, statement. Um, what would be the, the, some of the things you might say just to, to uh, alert us to uh, the reality of church planning? Okay, now I'm uncomfortable being first in the row because I've learned a lot from these guys along the way. I'll be talking a little bit this afternoon in a seminar about the good things about vision and being clear about what you're doing. And I think that's immensely helpful and it does create momentum and do stuff. Uh, the hard thing is, I think it's really slow work, whichever way you look at it. It's really, uh, when, you, when you're dealing with people in the 18 to 25 age group, we're seeing quite a lot of people converted. But with the grown-ups who are more set in the ways, it's really, really hard soil. And you really want to plant churches and see hordes of people being converted. And we'd love that, but it just, um, it's far slower and far harder. We do see people converted from time to time, but not just pouring in yeah. as we'd love. Yeah. The question is? Uh, what would, what's some advice to the person coming into church planting, uh, perhaps uh, stars in the eyes? Uh, I think that uh, the main thing is to uh, see that the, the key to church planting is a key that sounds terribly pretentious uh, is the uh, focus on the, the team and um, the relationships within that. If that's not right, then nothing will work. And I think that uh, 
that's often hard work. Um, we've had a number of uh, cases where uh, that's fallen in a heap. Um, and uh, so that, that's, that's the key thing, the hard work of it being a team uh, enterprise that uh, the guy might have all the vision in the world, all the ability in the world, but he can't do everything. He hasn't got a good team with him. It doesn't work. Can we pause on that and hear, could you speak a little to what, some of those challenges that you faced in that area, uh, where it has fallen in a heap because of the, the challenges of working with the team? Um, well, uh, uh, we had a group uh, come to us uh, from Chinese background uh, looking for a church home, about 30 or 40 people. Uh, and uh, we found a pastor for them. Um, uh, so it was not a church plant from us, but a, a group that came uh, looking for a church home. And uh, we um, organised things for them. And uh, one of the... And it's, and it's grown very quickly. So it's grown from uh, 30, 35, uh, three, four years ago uh, to close to 200 now. Uh, and one of the things that I did that was wrong and one of the things that the pastor did that was wrong was not look after him and he not, not, not uh, encourage or relate to his team really well, so that currently he's on six months stress leave. Um, mm. Now, that, the congregation has, it's been really good for the congregation, um, but uh, it's been a hard lesson to learn. Uh, most of it's my fault. Is there almost a, 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 a I mean, parenting's maybe too strong, but is there some degree where there is a real pastoral uh, personal responsibility you have with your team, not simply a managing workers, but absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and for a variety of reasons, mostly my my short-sightedness and busyness. Uh, I didn't spend the time with him that I should have. So for the, you know, most of this year, I had uh, not spent uh, other than a glancing hello, how's it going? Uh, whereas in previous years, I'd spent time with him. This year, when it was his bad year, things were getting out of control. I I was sort of away from him and didn't look after him. What kind of things can help with that? And maybe others could speak to that question. What kind of things can help us in, in uh, looking after teams? Paul, do you want to? Lord? I am. Yeah. yeah? Um, understanding who you are as a leader is important as you look after a team and uh, thinking through what it means to lead a team. Uh, the sort of model I try and run with, and you can, you can check with... Uh, some of my team who are here, but try, we, we try to think in terms of a family. Uh, so how do we uh, operate as a family? How do we sit under the gospel? How do we uh, care for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ in that sort of way? And it seems to me that that's the sort of uh, Christian family model is the one that staff team should operate with. So in that sense, I have a particular lead role with the family. Uh, part of that is caring for the people around me. Uh, part of it is... Uh, uh, brokering things when the family aren't getting along as well as they should. And that's actually the job uh, yeah. the lead pastor, I think, where something's not working, uh, you patiently talk with people and eventually say, this is the way it's going to be. We'll sort out our disputes. We don't let them go on. You know, I mean, that's just that's what you do in a family. You, know, you don't let it hang around. So it's, there's those sort of things I think you do with, with, uh, with teams. I that's think what you do in a family. You don't let it hang around. But maybe some have come from families... Which uh, you yeah, don't yeah, do yeah. that. But then you've got to establish the family norms for our family. Yes. Uh, and just say, well, this is the way this family works. You yeah. know? And we're family, we're committed to each other. 
and this is the way we're going to do it, you know. And uh, you do it with great love and a smile and sometimes not smiling, but, you know, it, you just sort of get on with it like that. The, the other thing I was going to make a comment on yep. in the sort of preparation, the stars in the eye stuff, when I've dealt with people who've been planting, including these two guys here, they are extraordinarily positively impatient. Uh, what I mean is they want to plant a church yesterday, not tomorrow, and uh, that is a good quality, and you want to have that quality if you're going to plant a church. Yeah. Uh, but I think what I've worked out over a few years now is that, yeah, it's the old story, you measure twice, cut once. Uh, so a lot of the work is done before you actually get to that sort of launch phase, and if that work is done well, uh, it sets you up well for the actual plant. And some of those things, I'm not thinking it's just mechanistic, you, you get it right, it'll work right, but uh, for example, spending a lot of time praying uh, with your, your teams. So one of the in interesting things being here, we've been here for 24 hours, and the guys at the front have prayed, but no one else has. And I think, uh, is this a good thing, you know, as we meet together like this? Should we be spending more time in groups praying about what we're doing rather than just thinking about how we're going to do it uh, and being encouraged to do it? That's one of the, the thoughts that occur, occurs Thank to you. me yeah. because that it, it's not so much meant to be a criticism as an observation of what we tend to do. Church planting people, by nature, want to get things done. You know, that's the way planters are wired. Uh, but we need to be extraordinarily dependent upon God. And so one of the questions I'd, I'd always have for people who are thinking about planting is, uh, are you praying as much as you're planting? You know, not that I think it's a, yeah. a quota thing, but uh, you know, do you really think it's God's ministry? That'll be reflected in your praying, I think. Yeah, yeah. a couple of thoughts. Just going back to your original question about things that help, uh, one of the things we've found quite hard with team dynamics is if there are real issues going on in the background, it's really hard to bring them out openly and talk about them. And there's some useful stuff out there just in uh, secular leadership stuff or crossing over into church leadership stuff. Guys like Patrick Lencioni has done stuff on the five dysfunctions of teams. And so we sat down and watched... Uh, his video that I think he did at Willow Creek or somewhere like that. Mm -hmm. um, and gee, it was helpful just because it let us name the dysfunctions we were going through at that time. Yeah. And we were four out of five or five out of five, really. You know, we were <laughs> dysfunctioning big time. <laughs> but just getting the mechanisms to name it and get it out there and talk about it was really hugely helpful. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, in the actual church plants that you've been involved in, uh, what are some of the things that have been the especially difficult challenges that you've seen take place and, and how has that affected the people who've gone into those church plants? What are some of those really dark times that you've had to work with planters with? So I'd have to say at the outset our couple of plants have gone pretty positively in terms of results and outcomes, probably better than we expected. But keeping a team connection when someone goes to plant, just in that interim time between start off and becoming completely independent, it's hard to keep a crossover of mutual interest going. So if you're trying to do a team meeting sort of thing, the guy who's planting 
very quickly loses any interest in what's going on back at Mother Church and the Mother Church people very quickly lose interest. So the dynamic just doesn't work anymore. You want to keep that mutual encouragement going and the networking going for a lot of structural, functional reasons in the, in the interim. But the interest, you know, you're so vitally interested in what you're doing at your plant that everything else is exceedingly dull. And so that's, it can be a painful transition. All sorts of transitions are painful, even the good transitions. And that's another thing. When Garnet Swan, who was running our first plant up at Eaton's Hill on the north side of Brisbane, we have these parish boundaries on a map, you know. When he came to me and said, OK, we've agreed we're moving towards independence, here's what the map looks like now, and he'd drawn a big line through, and my parish had suddenly shrunk to you know, a mere shadow of what it used to be, I sort of did this deep intake of breath and went pale and um, took a while to adjust to that. And That's a silly little thing, but uh, as they increase, we in a very real way decrease in all sorts of ways. That's hard from the Mother Church point of view. Um, for Garnet, I think taking on the responsibility of getting the plant happening was really costly and I think it would be okay with him if I said he actually didn't sleep for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Just insomnia kicked in with the, the stress of that. I maybe wasn't as sympathetic as I could have been because I was thinking, great, you're learning what leadership feels like now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> mean, suck it up, princess, yeah. But that no, was a very real thing. Um, I think we ought to strike that off the tape. Stri yeah, <laughs> rewind. Um, but on the other hand, you know, as he'd come back from time to time to us as the mother church and do stuff, fill in on the preaching or whatever, as he took that pain on, his stature as a leader visibly grew and people were mm. saying, boy, God, it's different now. Mm. And it was just that growth in responsibility and taking stuff on. Good. Yeah. So the question was, what are some of those dark times that you've seen in those 15 churches? What are some of the things that were very difficult to work through together? Uh, dark times? Uh, again, I'll come back to the, uh, the dark times have been staff uh, discontent times. Uh, the congregations that uh, have begun, they've been uh, uh, falling out between um, members of the team and uh, having to work through that, that has ramifications everywhere. Um, um, the people who come see the, the uh, staff team not operating uh, well together, even when, they don't, even when they don't speak about the problem, the problem is there and affects everything. So uh, having to uh, help these guys work that through, so that's one thing uh, mm. that's uh, obvious and that's happened uh, at least twice. Um, and then I suppose the other thing is um, when a new, where, the way we plant uh, is uh, allowing the planter to go to all the congregations and uh, gather harvest from people, people who live in a particular area or would like to go and begin a church plant in a particular area, maintaining good relationships. So, you know, he's going to take the best people from my congregation. Yes. Uh, and, and he does sometimes. Yeah. Um, mm. So we really discover the, the, the humanness and the sinfulness of, of envy, defensiveness. Yeah, I think that's, that's I think all that's there, right. even in ministers. Yes, that's right. And yeah. so um, 
making sure that guys are open enough with each other at that planter level uh, to say, look, you know, this is hurting me, um, yes. and uh, and try and work it through. Yes. Okay. Can I, can I just chip in there? Please. It may not be envy that's driving that, just the sheer hard work and the, the sadness of losing people yeah. who are key to you. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I yeah. wouldn't want to put that totally negative spin on it. Great, these, thank you. These are hard times. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yes, did I really, though. One of our plants this year, February, was uh, the, the granddaughter of, a, you know, like a granddaughter from our home church, uh, the church plant planted. 25% uh, of that congregation moved off uh, to plant again. Now, if you're the uh, planting pastor and 25% of your congregation disappears overnight, uh, you feel that intensely, actually. You can't help but feel it, even though you have the best gospel heart in the world, because you, everyone's working harder, uh, your finances have taken this huge hit, you're, uh, and you're just smiling because it's good for the kingdom, you know, and it's just hard. Uh, mm. And every time we've planted, that's the experience we've had, that good-hearted, best will in the world, but you send uh, a substantial block of people away who are normally your best, we try and send the best, um, then you just, it's like cutting off your arm and saying, please take it, you know, it'll grow back. You know, it, it sort of actually does, but it takes time, you know. It's just, is there a season of almost, I think you mentioned this is one of the plants, a season almost of a bit of a slump and a bit of depression in the mother church? Yeah, we've had that sort of cycle regularly. In yeah. our, our mother church now, we actually recover much faster, I think. Yeah. I think we've built up some uh, gospel fitness. And uh, <laughs> so we uh, sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's exactly yeah. like that. I think the first time we did it, we just went, oh, that hurt. We're never doing that again, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then after about a year, we thought, oh, maybe we could think about it, you know. Now you're well fit. And now, uh, yeah, it, this year we planted two congregations. And everyone thought, oh, it was okay, you know. And you're still thinking faster, aren't you? Uh, you're still unhappy. I'm frustrated that it's so slow. Yeah. That's, that's my frustration. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're just, yeah, what we're trying to do is work out how we can speed it up. So I've talked publicly now about trying to think through what it would mean to plant 20 churches in the next 10 years. Um, I don't know if we can do it, but I think it's a good way for us to think what stops us now, how can we break through some of those barriers yeah. and set things up so that we can do it more rapidly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's, we're trying to work out some of that stuff. Can we talk about some of the challenges with family? I'll start with you again, Paul, because uh, when Nikki and I came and visited uh, you in 2005 for a short time, one of the things that really helped us, especially in talking with your wife Sue, was that she said one of her jobs on the staff team was basically just to tell all the other staff wives that they all are allowed to be different. Yeah. And that, for us, was enormously freeing. And for Nikki, who's not the kind of speak on the conference type of ministry wife, was yep. a real permission to serve God as she was yep. and as, as we were as a couple, rather than to emulate another thing. Is that still something that is an important part of... What are some of the challenges of, of family and marriage in church yeah, planting? absolutely. I think that... Uh, I think it's right. It would be actually good if Sue was here talking about this, but she's not able to be. But uh, I think many wives married to ministry willingly love it, keen for it, but are trying to work out uh, who they are with a lack of job description. Uh, when you're planting, it's pretty clear what you're aiming to do, how it'll be shaped. When you're married to planting, it's, it's much more amorphous, yeah. I think, and, uh, and there seems to be a greater struggle to work out, well, what will that look like for me? So one of the things we've tried to do, so our staff team is maybe, 
you know, 25 or 30 now. So Sue meets with staff, wives, in two groups, about six in each group, on a, you know, a fortnightly basis, uh, to meet, to pray, to look at the Bible. And part of it is to say, look how different we are, and isn't that fine? Yeah. Uh, and each of them are different in terms of their background, their capacity, their desire to be up front or in the background. And it doesn't matter a fig, uh, really, as long as the couple have worked it out, they're comfortable with the way it works, and they've worked out how ministry looks like for them in a godly way as a household. But working out that household shape and then being uh, adaptive because households change in shape as kids go through different phases and, you know, at times you need to protect your boundaries a bit more depending on the age of the kids. At other times, it's just, when our kids were primary school age, we had hundreds of people throw home constantly and the kids just loved it. They hit high school, we, the kids used to say, yeah, what people coming around again tonight for? They love ministry, they love being a gospel family, but we just had to rein in, do it differently at that stage. Yeah. Uh, our kids now are adults, still living at home. They love the fact that we have people, although they like warning. Uh, so if we've got people staying in our flat at the back of our house, uh, I remember our youngest son came in one day. We said, oh, this is George, he's staying with us for the next three days. And he, so he was very friendly. And then afterwards he said, I just want four days notice before people just turn up, you know? Yeah. And so just that sense of uh, including the family at different phases, ages, stages, adjusting, it, I think it's really important to do that, yeah. Right. So family, the impact on family. I don't think I've got anything extra to say. That was great, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Which in itself apparently is a skill of Bruce's to know when to be quiet. So <laughs> that's advice for making committees run shorter. Yeah. How, how do I speak? Yeah. <laughs> um, I will just say, though, when you create systems that have constant change built into them, uh, it's really hard. My wife Louise, I think, finds that hard. Um, she likewise is working with our team wives and getting together. But there's always someone going or coming, and it always kind of hurts one way or another, and that that's just... That's a real challenge. Yeah, adding yeah. someone and... And, um, and the other thing is sometimes the team men being alpha male types are doing a bit of headbutting, and around the circle of wives there may or may not be awareness of that, and that's kind of awkward to negotiate and keep. Yeah. Yeah, but they can sort us out largely. You know, they yeah. they make the plans and we behave ourselves often. That's good. Yeah. We've got five minutes for questions. Um, we plateaued in about 1990. We plateaued for about 10 years at um, 700 adults until um, 2000. We started planting in 2000, sent 10% of people away from the mother church three times, and we're now about 800 adults in size. So it's about 800 spread over five congregations in the mother church. Um, about uh, 1,500 members over uh, five sites and 13 congregations. Um, we're much on the small size of that. Um, we've got two morning congregations with about 130, 140 adults in each. And our first plant came mainly out of the second morning service, which probably had 160 back then. Paul Harrington came and told us we needed to send at least 60 people off to do a church plant that was going to work. 
we sent 30 adults and 30 kids, which wasn't optimum, but it still hurt us. A Presbyterian was, 60, yeah. right? Yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> it was still. That's right. Yeah. Um, it was still really, really painful. Um, we've got evening stuff as well. It's not included in that, but the main planning congregation was probably 150 when we sent off that group. And then we planted out of our night church this year, which had about 120 in it, and we split it into two 60s. Yeah. It's good, isn't it, to hear the differences there. Uh, here and then here. Have we had any failures? I just haven't heard any... Failures? All glory, brother. Failures. Failures, yes. One. shut up a plan? Yeah, yeah. Uh, shut up congregations, plants. Uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> I think... We're getting depressed now. <laughs> five, five, so... <laughs> Yeah. Wow. I think there's one closing this year. <laughs> nice round six. One closed last year. Yeah. We close them. We, we, they get closed. Uh, we start them and uh, uh, for a variety of reasons they, uh, they, they go or grow and sometimes they don't. So. One of our renewals, uh, the couple running that, are really tired. The progress has been significant over six years but they feel it's been really slow and so the jury's out on whether that's really fired or not. Yeah. I think, yeah, I want to encourage them still and say in a lot of key ways it has but they're not so sure of it. Yeah. Um, we know Mother Church planted so we, we sent off about 75 people uh, to plant. Uh, the mother church at that that time really s struggled because uh, it exposed all, well, all the people would get up and go, got up and went, uh, and it exposed some weaknesses in uh, our ministry that we then had to reshape, reorganise and, and look at. That was a struggle. When we planted that first congregation, though, I said to that, that pastor, I said, mate, this needs to work. You know, so I didn't no want to pressure. put him under too much pressure, no. but uh, I figured we we hadn't planted for about 175 years. If this didn't work, we was probably going to be slow getting the next one up. Uh, so we we worked really hard to try and kick that one along. So everyone would go, oh, maybe this is not a bad idea. Yeah. And sometimes I hear people say, if you're not failing, you're not trying enough. Um, that's that sort of phrase has been bandied. Around. I think that's absolutely rubbish, to be quite honest. Uh, I hope I'm not offending anyone who says that here, but uh, I'm not saying you won't fail when you're trying stuff, but you ought not aim to, uh, which seems to be built into that thinking. That is, you ought to plan for ministries to work if you can. Now, under God, that may or may not happen, but that, that, that should be this sort of anticipation because often plants don't fail because God's not at work. They fail because people just haven't put in the spade work to help set it up properly, actually. There's a lot of practical stuff you can do to put people on the same page, harness common sort of purpose, vision, and get it going. So yeah. um, I, some ministries are and aren't going to work and stuff like that, which is just the way it, way it falls and God is sovereign and good. But, uh, but you, don't, you don't plan for that to happen, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of need to agree with you that I think in any of these hub sort of setups. If the first one fails, you probably won't do it again just because of the way people are wired or you won't try it again for another 10 years or 170 years or something like that. 
So, yeah, it's kind of edgy. You've got to get proof of concept out there before people buy in. Look, we could go on for so much longer, but in part that you just hold on to that, Phil. In part of the, uh, the value of this is just to actually profile these men who are available again to talk with you, to have a lunch date or a dinner date or a, a chat. Please come up and, and ask them. You're, you're not wasting their time. They're here for you.